The scripture reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Sarah, for reading. Would you pray with me again? Lord, we pause to thank you for these words that were inspired and written so many years ago and yet are relevant for us even today. Help us to understand them. Help us to be people of the new covenant. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our household, there are four words, a four-word phrase that you might hear occasionally, especially on chore mornings or when it's time to clear the table. And for the protection of the individuals involved, I won't say the names of those who say these words, but the words are, do I have to clear the table? Do I have to? Clean up your room. Do I have to help bring these bags in from the car? Do I have to? I'm sure none of you know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm not trying to throw shade on our kids. Um, but here's why I'm sharing this. Has there ever been a time in your life when maybe you felt that way toward God? When God says, obey my commands, do I have to forgive that person? Do I have to um, love your enemies? Do I have to? Right? And sometimes, to be honest, we go farther than that. We, we outright say, no, I'm not going to obey you, Lord. And that is a big problem. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because God requires obedience. God, God has given laws that are to be obeyed. He says that again and again in Scripture. There's kind of this misconception that Jesus came to basically tell us it doesn't matter anymore what you do or how you live because, hey, I'm here, you're forgiven, you're all good, so, so go and enjoy your life. But that's not the case. Jesus says again and again, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obey my commands. Do what I say. So there's a disconnect here because often inside us, we find this attitude of not wanting to obey God or straight up not obeying him. And yet God requires our obedience. And the beautiful truth in this passage from Jeremiah that was read, Sarah read, is that God has intervened to solve that problem. That is a problem for us but God has done something about it. 
here's why it's a problem for us because um uh if if you are not obeying god either you're a person who actually thinks you're doing pretty well and you think yeah i got this i'm a pretty good person and that fills you with pride or you're a person who is aware of your sin and failure and is filled with guilt and shame because you know how much you screw it up every day so either pride or shame. Well, I feel like a lot of people out there and maybe some of us today are in, in one of those two places, or maybe we bounce back and forth between those two places. Jesus came to change that. So I want to look at this problem and, and the solution to this problem in uh, Jeremiah chapter 31. If you haven't turned there already, I would encourage you to do that. Pick up your Bible or the Pew Bible. Jeremiah is about halfway through the book after Isaiah. And it's in chapter 31, starting in verse 31. Now, Jeremiah, you may know, was a prophet. um, And he was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah. Remember how after King David died, the nation fractured into these, these two smaller nations, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And Jeremiah was a prophet to the kingdom of Judah right before and leading up to the Babylonian exile when when the armies of the most powerful nation in the world, Babylon, would come and destroy Jerusalem and take most of its people back to Babylon. And that that was a punishment from God for the disobedience and the, the, the way that his people had forsaken him. Jeremiah is sometimes called the weeping prophet because he had a lot to be sad about. All of the leaders and the priests of Israel had forsaken the Lord, had walked away from him. They were worshiping him in name, but their actual lives were filled with idolatry and immorality, and they were leading others to do the same. And uh, Jeremiah preached, warning his people to return to God. No one listened to him. That's another reason he was sad. (laughs) Um, But he also preached this message of hope that after 70 years in exile, God would, would bring his people back to their land and give them a new start. And that's the, 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 the passage that we're reading today is in this section of hope and comfort in the book of Jeremiah. So let's read verses 31 to 32. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand to lead them out of Egypt. Pause there. Why not? Was was something wrong with that covenant? No. Let's keep going. Because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Last Sunday, Pastor Jeff preached about God's covenant with Abraham, how he promised to give Abraham a son to make him a great nation. And in fact, that's what happened. Uh, Abraham had a son in his advanced years. They named him Isaac. Isaac became the father of Jacob. And Jacob, renamed Israel, had 12 sons. 
which ended up settling in Egypt. And there they multiplied. They did become a great nation, a great tribe of people, but the Egyptians enslaved them. And they were there for 400 years, enslaved by the Egyptian powers. Now, just like it says here in Jeremiah, God led them out of Egypt. He freed them and he led them like by hand, like a child learning to walk. He brought this people into the wilderness of Sinai and there he, he gave them a, his laws and he made a covenant with them. This is what he's talking about in verse 32. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. He says here in Jeremiah 2, I was a husband to them. God loved his people like a husband loves a wife. He was a father to them. He was a husband to them. He was, he was um, a savior to them. And then he gave them his law and said, here's a pathway to staying in this relationship with me, your God. Obey my laws. The laws were good. The covenant was good. And if you know the Ten Commandments or some of the Ten Commandments, you know what some of these laws are about, right? Worshiping God alone, not having idols, uh, remembering the Sabbath, um, having sexual integrity, um, having truthful speech, honoring your parents. But there were also many other laws about how to... Um, uh, how to have sacrifices to atone for sin and how to stay in a, um, a, a place where you could enter the tabernacle or the temple to be near God, ceremonial cleanliness, all kinds of laws. And the laws were good. The laws were a pathway to, to knowing God and keeping his covenant, keeping faith with him. But what happened? If you've read the Bible, you know that they didn't do a good job keeping God's laws. They broke every single one of them. Um, they worshipped other gods. You know, the, the rich oppressed the poor. There was immorality and, and um, evil. They had even gotten to the point where they were doing child sacrifice, like some of the pagan nations around them. They had completely, completely walked away from God and, and broken their side of the covenant. So when Jeremiah, when, when God says in Jeremiah here that they broke my covenant, that is putting it mildly. They were, they were utter failures to keep God's covenant. The problem was not with the law. The problem was not with the covenant itself, the problem was not with God. He had done everything right. The problem was with us, with the human heart. Something in the human heart that resisted God's law, that said, I'm going to do it my way, right? Jeremiah had diagnosed this problem correctly in chapter 17, verse 4, where he said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
the heart, that is the, the inner part of us, the, the control center of our lives, the decision-making, um, choice-making, um, affection-giving part of our, our inner lives. That's the part of us that Jeremiah says is beyond cure. And so when given the chance to obey God and follow his laws, Israel said, no. Or do I have to? And friends, the first thing we have to understand to hear the good news of this passage is that we are in the same place as the people of Israel. We have all utterly failed to keep God's law. I mean, for some of you, that might be obvious. You're like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a sinner. Some of you, it may not be as obvious to yourself. But we are all covenant breakers. We are all sinners and lawbreakers of the first order. I'll, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say that. Um, God has been faithful to us. God has been good to us, but we have been unfaithful to him. We've said, do I have to? Or no, I'm not going to. We've worshipped other gods like money and comfort and success and um, power and sex. And we have, we've walked away from God. And so what do you do about that? Well, like I said in the beginning, sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. And they kind of just see God's laws as more flexible things that they can, they can bend to their life. Other people realize their sin and think, there is no hope for me. I am, they, they just have shame and guilt. Do you ever feel one of those ways? Me too. But there's a, there's a different way. There's a third way, a way that God has made. And that's right here in this passage. What, what struck me as I read this passage and studied it is that God is announcing that he is going to solve a problem that he did not create. He's going to solve the problem that we have gotten ourselves into, right? Through our own sin, our own failure. It's not his problem, but he's the one who's going to solve it. And that to me is amazing. Let's look at verse 33. So what is this new covenant? He's saying, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. After what time? After the captives come back and the people are restored sometime after that. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. What is, what is God saying here? He's going straight to the root of the problem, which is the human heart. And he's saying, I'm going to put my law into your hearts. I'm going to write my law on your hearts. I'm going to internalize my commands 
so that you actually want to obey me. He's going to reach in and change something deep inside us, or at least provide a way for that to happen. God is not saying, notice here, I'm going to give you a different law. I'm going to give you something new. He's saying, I'm going to write my law on your hearts. He's not saying you don't have to obey me anymore. He's saying, I'm going to make you want to obey me. Not do I have to, but how can I please God? This is an amazing solution to the problem because um, it's not, it's not a, a Band-Aid or a, an external solution. It's changing human nature. And that's, that's really the only thing that can, that's, that's enough. That's the problem is our human nature. And so God is making a way to change that. He says, I will be their people and they will be, I will be their God and they will be my people. There can be intimacy in relationship with God. That's always been God's desire to have a people to be loved by him and to love him and have this intimate relationship. And it's that knowledge will be universal. He says, you know, no longer will they have to, you'll have to teach people to know me because they will all know me. Now, that's not saying that we don't need teachers today or we don't need to study the Bible, but it is saying we'll have an internalized knowledge of God, an experiential knowledge of him. And now look at the verse, verse 34, which is the crescendo of this new covenant promise. The end of verse 34, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Those two words, wickedness and sin, mean different things. Wickedness is the Hebrew word that means our inner crookedness or like our, our propensity to do what is wrong, our sinful nature. And the word sin simply means missing the mark of God's law, like an archer missing the target. That's, that's where we are, right? And God says, I will forgive their wickedness, and remember their sins no more. That's what we need. Like, there's an answer to that. The, the shame and the guilt, the, the guilt and the shame that you feel piling up on you if you're aware of your sin, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. And there's a change to our, our sinful nature. Um. I want to pause here for a minute because I believe that some of you may be trying to live as a Christian in sort of an old covenant way. Like Jesus came to give you additional rules to follow or laws to keep. And you're pretty much looking within yourself to find the resources you need to do what is right and to be a good Christian and to follow Jesus and to love your neighbor. And that doesn't work out so well. Because if you try to do that without God changing your heart, you're going you're gonna to flame out. Or you're going to just pretend after a while because you realize it's not real. Um, 
And, and then if you, if you screw up, you're going to condemn yourself or you're going you're gonna to pretend it didn't happen and just be proud and self-deceived. And I think there are Christians who try to be Christians like that. And I want to tell you, friends, there is a, a different way. <laughs> that is not the way we're called to be or we need to be. What you need and what all of us need is a new covenant and a transformed heart, transformed inner life. That's what we need. And that's exactly what's on offer to us today. And of course, the place to get that is to go to Jesus. We have the, the amazing benefit today in 2021 of being able to read the rest of the story in Scripture. And we can see that the promise that God made through Abraham for this new covenant, and then we can turn over to the New Testament and see how Jesus came to do everything that Jeremiah prophesied, right? He came as God in the flesh, God incarnate, as the perfect person to keep the law for us, like it said in that video, he was the true Israelite who kept the law, who kept covenant with God. And then he laid down his life and let himself be killed to take the place of lawbreakers like you and me. Offering forgiveness, amazing, like unending forgiveness of sin, something that could never have been accomplished under the law. Did you know that in the Old Testament law, there were all kinds of sacrifices for sin, but there was no sacrifice to cover intentional, premeditated sin against God? Like, I know the truth, but I'm going to, I know it's right, but I'm, I'm going to do it my way anyway. And screw you, God. Like that kind of a sin. There was no sacrifice for that. But Jesus is a greater sacrifice. Jesus forgives our wickedness and our sin. And there is no way to try this thing without forgiveness. Not only for the past, but ongoing forgiveness. And then, then Jesus, as you know, ascended to heaven. He rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and sent his spirit. And his spirit writes the law on our hearts. The Spirit gives us a desire to do what is right. Now look, look within yourself and ask, do I have the desire to do what is right? As I was pondering this for myself this week, I realized when I look inside, there's a mixed bag. Sometimes I want to please God. Sometimes I say, do I have to? Sometimes I completely mess up and do it my own way. But what I, what I believe is that even the desire to repent of your sin is the Holy Spirit in your hearts, writing his law in our hearts. It's not that we're going to be perfect. It's that we have a different orientation, a different disposition. We want to please God, even though we're at war with our sinful nature, for which we need forgiveness, we want to please God. 
I hope that, that you can say that if you're a Christian this morning. If you do look inside and say, gosh, I have no desire in my heart to please God, then you need to come to Jesus today and say, Lord, I accept your forgiveness. I can't do this on my own and change my heart. But this is an amazing promise for us. The goal of the new covenant is the same as the old covenant, which the law, which is obedience and close relationship with God. But here's the difference. The old covenant said, here's the map. Here's the directions. I'll see you there. You know, come and meet me there. The new covenant, the directions are the same. The destination is the same, but God comes to bring us there. God fills our tank with gas. God is our co-pilot. God is our unending supply. Jesus is our unending supply of forgiveness and strength and guidance. You see the difference? That's the difference between living in the new covenant and living under the old covenant. So I hope no one's trying to be a Christian on the old covenant, but we need we need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need the law written in our hearts, making us want to, making us desire to do what is right. I hope that's your desire today. The bottom line is that to be a Christian is to be a sharer in this new covenant promise. And it's all about what God has done for us not what we do for him. Did you notice in this passage in Jeremiah how often you saw the word I? I will do this. I will do this. I will make this covenant, declares the Lord, declares the Lord, declares the Lord. It's all God. It's all what God has done. And when you look at the cross and think about Jesus of his own free will, not because we asked him to, not because we were even asking him for forgiveness. He laid down his life. He gave his life for us. Because he wanted to, his own decision, it's all what Jesus has done for us. It's not what we can do for him. That's, that's the heart of the new covenant. He sent his spirit to change our hearts. Um, the only thing we bring to this equation is our sin and our need for forgiveness and our need for obedience and the simple faith that, that is that awareness and reaching out to God. What a gracious God we have. Amen. What an amazing Savior we have in Jesus. Do we have to obey God? No, it's better than that. We get to obey him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the plan that you announced uh, in Jeremiah's day and even earlier for this new covenant, the time that we are now in. Thank you that we get to be sharers in this through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit 
to uh, write your good law on our hearts in a new way today. Give us that inner desire to please you and do what is right and to enjoy fellowship with God, to enjoy the riches of your kingdom, and to also, um, to also just drink deeply from your forgiveness. Thank you that we have forgiveness in you. So we bring all our sins to you. We bring all our hopes for wholeness and eternal life. We set them on you today. In Jesus' name, amen.